Amen. Children are dismissed. All right, if you have your Bibles today, please turn to the book of John. <clears throat> the title of the messages, message today is, Are You Doing Your Part? Are You Doing Your Part for the Kingdom? One afternoon, a wealthy lawyer was riding in the back of his limousine when he saw two pathetic-looking men by the side of the road eating grass. He ordered his driver to stop, and he got out to investigate. He asked the men, Why are you eating grass? We don't have no money for food, the first man replied. Then you must come with me to my house, insisted the lawyer. But sir, I got a wife and three kids here, said the man. Bring them along, replied the lawyer. And the second man, he exclaimed, I got a wife and six kids. Bring them as well, the lawyer proclaimed as he headed back to his limousine. They all climbed into the limousine and once they were underway, one of the men expressed, Sir, you are too kind. Thank you for taking all of us with you. And the lawyer replied, I'm most happy to do it. You'll love my place. The grass is almost a foot tall. Some of y'all get that on the way home. <laughs> the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was written between 90 AD and 100 AD. Scholars believe that John wrote the three epistles and the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this gospel. The gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been circulating. They wanted something more spiritual. They wanted something deeper. And so John wrote the gospel. John chapter 4, verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying that is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray. O oh Lord, as we come to you, we ask that you would touch our hearts, make this word applicable to our lives, help us to live it out 
Speak to us today as we, as we humble ourselves in your mighty, mighty hand. Lord, we pray for those who are not here for whatever reason. We ask that you would bless them, that you would take care of their issues, Lord, and give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, those that you are calling here that are a part of the harvest, we thank you for that, God. We also pray that you would send us the workers for the harvest. And we pray for that person that's supposed to be next to us in the pew. And we ask, Lord, that you would send them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The harvest of lost souls awaits your witness so that they may be reaped into the kingdom of God. There is a harvest of lost souls and they wait for your witness so that they may be reaped into the kingdom of God. Number one, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. John 4, 27, let's look at that. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and then she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Now we see the woman at the well from the perspective of the disciples. Last week it was what happened, what was going on. This week it's from the perspective of the disciples. They're just arriving at the well uh, toward the end of this conversation between the woman at the well and Jesus. And it says they marveled that he was speaking with her, but no one had the guts to ask him why. Here's that old animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans rearing its ugly head again. Why is he speaking with a Samaritan woman? Surely he knows we don't deal with them. Well, how many churches are like that today? How many are like, well, why are you talking with that tattooed up person, that homeless person or that drunk? Don't you know any better? Well, no, I don't know any better. Because the scripture says I don't know any better. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He didn't say go into all the nations, except for the tattooed up person, the prostitutes and the town drunks. No, he included them. He said all nations, everywhere, all people. We're going to have to get over the fact that some people don't look like us they don't talk like us and sometimes they don't smell like us I got news for you though we may not personally like it did you know that cussing every other word is now a normal thing and a lot of people don't realize they're doing it anymore don't get on them about it you can't expect a, a unbeliever to act like a believer they don't know how to act like a believer 
You just tell them about Jesus. Let's work on making them a part of the kingdom and let God change them if he so desires. Matthew 22 verse 1 says, Jesus also told them other parables and he said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. And so he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, one to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and he killed them. And the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. And so the servants brought in everyone they could find, the good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. He said to bring them all in, both the good and the bad. Guess what? That's our job. We're the servants. Our job is to share the simple gospel with those that we deem bad people and those that we deem good people. Even though all are sinful and fall short of the glory of God, you've got to share the gospel with everybody. You don't get to pick and choose. God does that. John 4, 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. The interesting thing here is that even the Samaritans were looking for the Messiah to come, weren't they? This lady who met Jesus was so excited that she didn't care about her past or what people thought of her. She simply went and told the village of, of, of these people. She went and told them. And some probably came because they wanted to know if he was the Messiah. And some may have come because... They may have been involved with this lady and wanted to see if Jesus really did tell her everything that she had ever done, as it might be embarrassing for them. Whatever the reason for people coming to Jesus, they came streaming from the village to see him. They came to see him, whatever their reasoning. John 4.31 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. If you have ever witnessed to someone and see them believe, you get this kind of euphoria yourself about it. You, you feel good. And so Jesus is not only feeling great seeing someone believe, but he's going to teach the disciples something spiritual. But just like the woman at the well, they're all caught up in the flesh. Verse 33, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus is telling them that the most important thing in life is not the trappings of this world, but whatever the will of the Father is. That's the most important thing. He can endure hunger to do the will of the Father that sent him. Verse 35. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. 
The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know, they say one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Jesus is talking about making disciples. He's talking about seeing converts. He's talking about people becoming Christians. The harvest in this last time is ready to be harvested. And there are many out there. All they have to do is hear the message. And you know what? They'll receive Christ. But it's up to you and me to reap it. It's up to us to do the harvesting. It's not somebody else. I've got some news for you folks. It is not all up to me. Well, that's what the pastor's for. Nope. Scripture says, my, I'm here to train you to do the work of the ministry. That's what the pastor's for. It says, train the disciples, the people, the church to do the work of ministry. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Matthew 9, 37. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. He even says the harvesters are paid good wages. You go share in the gospel and worry about the will of the Father, and the Father will take care of your, your temporary needs, the needs of this world. If it's God's will for you to be martyred, well, you know what? He'll take care of you even through that. If it's will that you live to a ripe old age, well, then he'll take care of your temporal needs through that too. God takes care of his own. Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And that brings us to number two. Go reap the harvest. Go get them. You ever said sick them to a bulldog? That's how Jesus wants you to be when it's time to witness. Sick them. John 4, 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Your job is to simply witness. And then guess what? You let God be God. God will do his work. The people of Sakaar came out to see Jesus. And once they did, you know, they were thankful that the woman at the well went and witnessed to them. She told them about Jesus and they came out to see this thing that she was talking about. And once they saw and heard his teaching, they begged him to stay with them. And guess what? He did. He stayed two days. And many more people believed in his message of the kingdom. 
And the most interesting thing about witnessing is that you have to point out that people are sinners and they're in need of a Savior. Then you back off and introduce them to Jesus so that they can see, spiritually speaking, who He is and what He's about. You know, I love what, uh, what's written at the end of this section in verse 42. It says, Then Jesus said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. People must be told that they are sinners. And you see, you don't want to just add Jesus to a stinky dead life. You want that dead life to become new, to, be, to, to have real life, to embrace Christ and come to life in him. Folks, how can they believe unless someone tells them? That's what the scripture says. Romans 3.23, you all should know it. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And what is that glorious standard? 1 Peter 1.16 says, you must be holy because I am holy. You can't do that on your own. Did you know that? You can't be holy. You were born in sin. You stand condemned already. But there's good news. What's this good news? Well, that, that's told to us in Romans 6, 23. It starts out pretty, pretty morbid. The wages of sin is death. Oh, well, that's not good because all have sinned. Well, your wages is death, but it doesn't stop there, does it? It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift is Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to pay a debt he didn't owe. The debt is the sin debt. You and I owe it, but Jesus paid it. You see, he lived 30 years, and for three years he did signs, wonders, miracles, declared himself the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So how do we receive this gift? How do we receive it? Well, Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone, that's you, me, Billy Graham, bless his soul, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That's a promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you done that today? Have you done that today? If you would but ask for the gift, that's calling upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. Not maybe, not might be, not should be, but will be saved. If you remember nothing, remember this. The harvest of lost souls awaits your witness so that they may be reaped into the kingdom of God. You know, as the ladies come... When I preach a message like this, it's a very simple message. You're supposed to do something with what you've been given. You're supposed to do something with Jesus. Very simple message. You're supposed to witness. You're supposed to tell somebody. That cashier at Walmart, and I'm not talking about the self-checkout. Well, maybe you're talking to yourself, I don't know. 
They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the simple truth of Jesus. 